You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. Welcome back to episode three. My name is Chika Eloy. I'm here with my co-host, Jay Teresi, and we're going to jump back into rediscovering biblical manhood. To all of our listeners that are tuning in from around the world, all three of you, we're excited that you are here, <laughs> and uh, we're excited to continue to explore this topic with you. So, Jay, what's up this week? How are you doing? Uh, Chika, it's good to see you. Uh, I, I, yeah, this is just a great conversation you and I are having, and if anyone's listening, that's great, all three of them. If nobody's listening, it's fine, because um, as we'll talk about, this, this is how we actually grow in our manhood, right? By pushing each other and having these deep discussions. You know, I always talk about like one of the things I think we've lost in the modern era is, you know, we, we talk in 140 character sound bites. Like, do we know how to think deeply anymore? You know, those guys had no TV back in the day, so they had all day long to think about things. And I love, I love this format just because you and I, you know, how often do we get time to just stop and talk about... Yeah. You know, we're moving from task to task to task in this world. And then when we have a moment, we're scrolling Facebook. One of the things I love about this podcast, and if you're here, I hope you'll just set your phone aside and just, just participate in the conversation. Because we don't get to do that enough anymore. And I think that's that stunts our growth as men, as believers. Like just, man, Jesus and his disciples walked around and talked all the time and sat around the campfire. And they had so much time to unpack things. And I think we've really lost that in America. Jay, I'm going to open us up in prayer real quick as we jump into today's word. Lord, I ask that you get us out of the way once again. And uh, although in culture, Lord, the enemy may be not winning, but really holding strong in the arm wrestle, Lord, I ask that in this conversation, you get the enemy in Jesus' name out of here uh, so that we can revert to you and we can continue to push forward and inspire men to find you and your son, Jesus. And we say all of this in his name. Amen. Amen. Jay, I love what you said there at the start. You know, you said, um, actually, I just forgot what you said, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just talking about, we, you know why? Because see, our brains are working so fast. Yeah, 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 that's what I was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about an arm wrestle. Like, if we are literally arm wrestling the enemy right now, busyness whoosh, is where he is really pushing back against us and filling us with no time to stop and breathe and reflect. And maybe that's another episode for another time because we did promise our listeners this week we were going to jump into the the continual discussion of male versus man versus biblical man but truly jumping into more of a rites of passage filter as we look at things and so when you say and this is funny because you and i are in different small groups we have been over the years um, about three weeks ago in our small group i asked the group rites of passage in american culture as Christians and or as biblical worldviews, what are they? What are the Christian rites of passage? And I looked around the room; and it was crickets. But culturally, we can say, well, when you and I were growing up, Jay, it was like driver's license. Uh, maybe it was when we turned twenty-one, or for me in Australia, it was eighteen, which is cool, actually, by the way, because then we had a twenty-first birthday as well. Um, but but <laughs> when we look at today, I think of my my daughters. I think of your your sons and daughters. Like, what are the rites of passage that we have that? we're called to give them i know other faiths have rites of passage and we'll get there in just a second but what, what when you think christianity jay what, what are some of the quick ones that bubble to the surface for you 
I think we struggle with that actually. There's not much mm-hmm. that bubbles to the surface. You know, maybe maybe a rite of passages. I went to vacation Bible school, or a rite of passage as a teenager for a Christian. When you're just talking in the Christian context, and this this even would only you know apply to a small number of Christians in certain denominations. Where I went to summer camp, we sat around the campfire, oh, yeah. gave my life to Christ. Like that's big for a lot of folks in the evangelical world. But you know, I grew up Catholic, so we, we didn't do camps like that. So no, we I, had you know, first communion and we had um, confirmation, right? Right, which is actually a really defined rite of passage in the Catholic Church. So if you said, like, structurally, the Catholic Church has this sort of Christian rite of passage for boys and girls to bring you into the that version of the of the Christian faith, but that doesn't that didn't like grow me as a man, and that mm-hmm. didn't tell me how I'm supposed to be a man. I don't think it told any of the girls going through first communion with us. Uh, I know you grew up Catholic as well, uh, how to be a woman. So I, I think. Christian rites of passages, and then also a gender identity rites of passages, which is very, very important in the history of the world. You know, women learning how to be women, men learning how to be men, having that conferred upon them. Like, I think that's really, really missing. That's so true. I hadn't thought of it like that. And I, going back to Australia, one of the one of the coolest things that I ever experienced as just a seventeen year old boy was we went up north to the the top of Australia to where the Aborigines are, and they're still very much in tribal life. And one of their rites of passage was when you were around the age of 16, or I think it was actually had something. And again, listeners, do not cut me on this, especially if you're Aboriginal. I'm sorry. But there was a walk through smoke and it was the tra- it was the physical transition through smoke where you turn from a boy to a man. And now you go out on walkabout with grandpa and you go and explore the land because that's what men do. Coming back to what you said last week on last week's podcast, men are doers. Yeah, and I think culturally humans have always understood Something needs to happen to help a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, move into adulthood. And so cultures have built all kinds of different things. But the reason we've understood that importance is we all know, like, mentally, a shift has to be made. And you have to leave behind your childhood. And you have to pick up your adulthood. And if you don't do that, you won't be a valued member of the community. And it almost doesn't matter what context it's applied in. Now, we're Bible-believing Christians, so we think there's a very important piece but we're not doing any of that. And a lot of cultures, mm. to your point about the Aborigines, are losing some of what they had. And a lot of what we call the developing world actually still does this much better, helping their youth move into adulthood. Well, you get into the developed world. And yeah. you know, the, becoming an adult has come later and later. And when do you become an adult? And you know a lot about the brain. You could, so I understand the brain doesn't completely form for girls to their early 20s and boys and mid-20s and all of that. But we've known culturally, you got to back way up from that to say you have to start thinking differently, acting differently in the community, or you won't be a productive member. Now, as believers, we think there's this other additional step that says you have to be initiated not only as a man, but as a Christian man or a Christian woman, so you can learn to even reflect Christ appropriately and begin spreading the gospel as part of your adulthood, because that's like a huge part of the responsibility of a Christian. So there's all these nuances, and I feel the world is sort of pulling back from all of that, like, no, no, no. You know who's doing initiation now? You know who's initiating for us in America? TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Like, we've turned over initiation to that, to their peers. And let's all be honest. Like, And it's almost the blind leading the blind, right? Because it's kids oh their age God. teaching kids their age about kids their age. Exactly. That and the cool. problem says, like, the blind lead the blind into a hole. Like, this is, you know, this is terrible. And we've totally acquiesced. Why have we acquiesced? Well, because we're all addicted, too. So we're scrolling. And who has time to initiate their kids when they're, they've got to spend their time scrolling through Facebook? Well, I, I remember an African proverb, I think it was, that um, 
that, that spoke to, and I may not hit this 100% correctly, but it was, if we don't initiate these boys, they're going to burn the village down. Jay, do you know anything about the Jewish faith and the bar mitzvahs? I know that that's still yeah. very big. What's that about? You know, much like your Aboriginal example, at a certain age in the Jewish faith, right, they initiate their youth into adulthood. And, it, and it's just a transition to say, you know, you're taking another step, an important step. And when you take this step, and this is what initiation always is about, right? In my reading of initiation, and I, I've tried to do some reading about this. I've tried to understand, right? Because you and I are both parents, right, Chica? And we, we're, we're believers and we, we sit in this stuff and we're like, man, we have this responsibility. We've got to initiate our children. Where they say, look, you're not all the way an adult yet, but you're take, you need to start taking some different steps. Think differently. And this is the critical part. You have to leave some stuff behind now. Mm. There's some behaviors. There's some attitudes. There's some activities you no longer do. You don't do that anymore. And, he, and even Paul talks about it in the Bible, right? As you mature as a Christian, there's initiation like, hey, when you were a new Christian, you, you drank milk, right? You ate the soft food. And then as you mature, you, you eat different foods. And so I think, I'll tell you who does have a plan for initiation beyond just the social media. You know who else has a plan for initiation if we don't do it? The enemy. Our enemy has got a plan and he will be more than happy to initiate our children into his way of thinking about the world. And I think, I think we have largely in America, whether you're a believer or not, we have we have left our youth behind and we're allowing, to your point, their friends, culture, and the enemy to initiate them into manhood. And then we're looking back and wondering, why are we having all these struggles? Why are we having all these problems? Um, I wonder. We have three generations, four <laughs> generations right? of people that are now running the country or running our institutions totally uninitiated in adulthood, in life. And then as Christians, for those that profess Christ, we have many, quote unquote, believers running around totally uninitiated in their faith. So they claim Christ, but they are not living Christ. And that is a huge problem. Christian Jewish, you know, when you were saying that, or when you were speaking through the, the Jewish rite of passage for the boy, you know, I've, I've traveled the world a couple of times and maybe more. And, and I remember yeah, this yeah. story of, of, um, of sitting with a Muslim colleague of mine in London. Okay. And he was talking to me about the rite of passage that he received as a father, not as a boy. In the Muslim faith, apparently the, the rite of passage becomes when you're you're the dad, not the boy. And so what happens is they take the boy's name that you had. So, for instance, if I had um, a, a son named Jonathan and they put the word Abdul in front of it and then they shorten the son's name to be John. And so you as a man get a new name. So if I had a son called Jonathan, I would now be the father called Abdul John. And it's cool because now I've almost like rebirthed myself in a new rite of passage as a father, standing strong as a dad, you know, faith aside, I think that that's just a really great example of how rite of passage can have tremendous power over a human um, in their soul. I think that's a beautiful story because what that connotes is a new set of responsibilities as well. And, mm. and, and part of manhood is stepping into responsibilities that feels good we're designed to do that right as men uniquely we are designed to carry weight we are designed to step into those kinds of positions of authority and power like by our maker like that's what christians believe we believe we're designed for that and so when a man rejects that or he pushes back against that or he steps back from that you know and, and says well i'm going to go do this over here my will my path my authority if you're a believer and you're doing anything down that path that you've just walked away from the garden of Gethsemane because, because the, the, the pivotal moment, in Je I mean, there's a lot of pivotal moments in Jesus life. I am no theologian, but as I read it 
as a as a uh, you know as a as an amateur academic as all believers you know got to study the bible one of the pivotal moments i look at in jesus's life is there's that moment in the garden he's sweating blood he's literally sweating blood right and and, and he doesn't want to go to the cross like his body doesn't want to go to the cross his flesh doesn't want to go to the cross and he just he just says your will god not mine your will father not mine and that is the example for believers and i think for men for biblical men that is the first and biggest challenge which says am i going to set my will aside and pick up god i've been watching and listening to you right now jay through the uh, the filter is a dad and i think that there's also another part of being a man and that is that you're wed to a woman and that in itself is a rite of passage um that we're, that we're called through and i'd be interested in your thoughts from a man's perspective as i look through my manly glasses you know what is what is the rite of passage of marriage and, and maybe that's a whole nother seven podcasts we've got to do but where where are we lacking right now and what what would you foresee as you know steps forward for any man that maybe doesn't feel in their in their marriage that they've had a rite of passage as a biblical man i did a stint in ministry chica as you know and one of the really interesting things about that season of my life was i, I got to do some weddings I got to marry some people and, and the pastor I worked for as he was teaching me how to officiate a wedding, he shared with me some of his notes and things he says as I was building, you know, my message for the wedding and what was I gonna say to the couple. And one of the things that he said really struck me, and and you know, this is this is, you know, a number of years more than a decade ago, and I've since read further on it. But he 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 said in his notes, the purpose of your marriage, God's purpose for your marriage is not your happiness. Now, just think about that for a minute, because mm. in our culture, like the purpose of marriage is supposed to be my happiness. My How many people get divorced because they go, I'm just not happy anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just not happy. Right. Mm-hmm. But 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 my friend Keith, pa, 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 Keith Ferguson, who was my pastor in Texas, and he, he taught me a lot about the faith You know, when I was a young Christian. Um, you know, he said the purpose that's purpose for your marriage is not your happiness it's your holiness and you think about that and you go oh my gosh that seems like a big concept but what does that mean well it starts back with that garden of the set mean image in my mind which is have i submitted my will to this marriage and am i here to serve my wife like the christian's happiness the bible says should come through service to others lifting others up and reflecting jesus you know, that sounds very churchy but if you think about it in the context of your own marriage, right? If you're if you're in your marriage and you're wondering about things and you're a man, like I would invite you to say, like, how are you serving your wife these days? How are you serving your children? Is is your is your marriage about you and your satisfaction? Is my wife serving me sexually? Oh. Is she taking care of me? Or you know, what, what's your marriage look like? And so again, in initiation, I have boys going all the way back to the beginning. One of the things that kind of terrified me as a young father was. You know, my dad's a good man and he taught me some things, but I, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about how to court a woman, how to think about a woman, how to be married to a woman. We just, we just didn't spend a lot of time talking about those things. And as I was raising how, my how children, to woo a woman, how to woo a woman. Right. right. And as I was raising my boys, I started thinking about, okay, I made a lot of mistakes in my teenage years, a lot of mistakes. I didn't treat some girls right. I didn't think right about women. And so as I've been, you know, initiating my own boys or doing my best to initiate my own boys into manhood and the biblical manhood, you know, we spend tons of time talking about the posture you should have towards a woman. How do you court a woman? How should you think about women? How do you think about dating? How should you think about sex? And and just talking to them about marriage a lot and trying to model for them in my own marriage, how do you treat a woman? And of course, if my wife was here on this package, she would say, well, sometimes you get that right, Jay, but oh, there's a long list. There's a long list. But my hope is as I get older, 
is every day am I modeling better Jesus' example of humility and surrender in my own marriage? And, and, and as my boys are now becoming men, can they see that and learn from that? So, Chica, I think there's a lot of what we were talking about, and I'm sure we'll talk about marriage and women. I know we will talk about marriage and women a lot. It's just for our own edification because you and I are married guys trying to, trying to get to this really deep level in our marriage that most don't get to. But I would just back up and say, really, God's purpose for your life is your holiness, not just your marriage. And, and as an initiation piece for men, for biblical men, here's the question I would ask anyone listening to this podcast. How often do you reflect on your own personal holiness? And has, did anyone initiate you into a belief system that said your entire life as a Christian and as a Christian man should be about working towards getting closer to Jesus, developing a higher level of holiness, not so you can be holier than thou, but so that you can actually be more humble and of more service to the kingdom? I don't think that I would have said a wrap-up phrase any better, Jay, than that. That gives us plenty to reflect on. And to our listeners, um, I encourage you to, to go down that route of what Jay just mentioned in talking and thinking through holiness and then maybe even wrapping back to your childhood and thinking through the different rites of passage as a reflection piece for this week. But Jay, thanks. It's been fun once again. We will pick this up next week with a brand new topic. Listeners, we'll see you then. Awesome. 